I enjoy a, a very short poem by Robert Frost, which goes like this. The way a crow shook down on me a dust of snow from a hemlock tree has given my mind a change of mood and saved some part of a day I had rued. With the snow out there, we might be able to picture that scene, walking along a path in the woods, and here the snow comes dropping down from above, surprisingly, you know, maybe falling in between the hat and the back of our coat and down our back with that icy little trickle. And we could respond in, in one of two ways. You know, we could, we could respond uh, with, with an even more grumpy outlook on the day, or we could get a good laugh at ourselves if we have the sufficient maturity to do so and, uh, and move on in a more cheerful tone of mind. I remember as a, as a younger uh, child, uh, a, a bird dropped something white on me, which was not snow, and, and I reacted uh, with, without that cheerfulness, although those around me seemed to, to find it uh, pretty uh, joy-inspiring. Uh, but nevertheless, you can imagine how things that strike us from the outside and kind of disturb our, our routine or disturb uh, the, the mood which we are in can 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 really draw a dramatic response from us, one of joy and cheerfulness, or one of uh, kind of uh, e even anger, uh, and we, as we saw in the gospel today. Perhaps even the, the sprinkling right at the beginning of Mass, which kind of shook up our routine a little bit, uh, might have drawn one of those reactions out of you if we got a direct hit uh, on you with the, the, uh, from the aspersory, as it's called, with the aspergillum. Uh, but nevertheless, these disruptions of our routine, I think, are interesting moments because they can cause us to reflect and they can kind of make, they can reveal our inner uh, habit of mind. And that's precisely what we see in the gospel today. Uh, the inner habit of mind of those Jews in the synagogue at Nazareth is revealed by the Lord's actions. And that's because he successfully disrupts their routine in a variety of ways. But to understand how he does that, of course, we have to understand what the routine was. So we'd have to do a little bit of, of reflection on what a synagogue in first century, uh, early first century Israel would have been like. And we know quite a bit about that because some of the remains of them still stand and we have written accounts of how their liturgy went. And you'll recognize many of the elements of it. The structure of the synagogue was not unlike the structure of our Catholic churches where our tabernacle currently is, the Torah, the books of Moses, were enthroned because they were viewed as the living presence of the word of God among his people. Uh, by them, oftentimes, a lamp constantly burned, just as by our tabernacle, a lamp burns reminding us of the Lord's living presence. In the synagogue was a seat, uh, not unlike this seat, although it probably would have been uh, located off to the side, and that seat was referred to as the seat of Moses, and only one with authority to teach in the synagogue could sit in that seat and teach from it. In the same way, a bishop uh, can preach seated from his cathedra or throne, uh, but I, a, a lowly priest, cannot. I stand up here at the pulpit and preach from here because I don't have the fullness of his authority as the bishop does. The, the, the bishop can preach seated down. So it is now, so it was then in the synagogue. The one who sat and taught was the one who possessed the fullness of authority. The way the liturgy went oftentimes was very similar to ours. Someone would come and read a scroll uh, from a scroll of the law or the prophets, 
and then someone else normally would reflect on that scroll. Uh, so, of course, the, the lector or the deacon, as you just saw, reading the first reading in the gospel, and then myself coming up to reflect on the readings that we heard. All very familiar to us, or at least I think it, it should be. But we read something very interesting and something very different in the gospel. And this today's gospel, the story picks up halfway through. We have to remember back to last week to get the whole of it. In that gospel last week, the Lord is invited to be the lector for the day as he visits his hometown. He receives the scroll, he opens it, and begins to read from the prophet Isaiah. But he does something very interesting. Instead of reading sequentially one passage from the prophet Isaiah, he picks multiple passages from different parts of the book, not even necessarily in the order they were written, and reads them off. And then instead of handing the scroll back and being seated and letting someone else reflect on the law, instead the Lord, after choosing these readings himself, sits in the seat of Moses. Instead of sitting in one of those seats, sits in that seat, and from the fullness of his authority, begins to teach. And he teaches with this very short sentence, Today, all these words are fulfilled in your hearing. That is, the entirety of the law and the prophets, which, from which the Lord has chosen readings, as if at random, is fulfilled in him, who possesses the fullness of authority to teach and to preach in the synagogue and in the church. And the people were amazed. The Lord had disrupted their routine, yes, but not as a rebel who breaks the rules, but rather as the Lord who has come into his own, before whom all the rules are less, because he is more, the maker of each of these laws, of each of these rules. The, the Lord, the Messiah, has come into his own, and every routine is broken before him. So the people respond at first with joy at the gracious words which come from his mouth, but then another response comes forward. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, they think, and Mary? And so then there begins to be this other reaction, which happens when our routines are broken, a reaction of, of anger in this case. Annoyance maybe would be, uh, is what, what comes forward at first. Uh, the people are, are uh, they contempt him. You know, we hear the saying, familiarity breeds contempt often. And, and that's, that's what we see going on here. They're familiar with the Lord. They knew him when he was a child, no doubt. And that has bred some contempt in them. So they, 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 they contemn him. The Lord responds by actually provoking them more, uh, by saying, surely you will quote me this, pro this proverb, physician, heal yourself, or do the works you did in Capernaum. <clears throat> He's accusing them of trying to fit him back into their system back into their routine, the routine over which they are the masters. He's accusing them of trying to usurp his place as Lord. And they respond then not with annoyance, but with anger, trying to drive him off the edge of the, the brow of the hill on which their town was built. But he passes through the midst of them. So I think this is a very interesting and dramatic anecdote. And it has, I think, some clear, uh, some clear lessons for us to reflect upon today. Firstly, we can ponder uh, how we react uh, to routine in our spiritual lives. And of course, this might be most evident at Mass, where the prayers of Mass fall into a routine, which allows us 
to have some comfort in the worship of God, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but it also can become rote, and then we, we lose the, perhaps the awe of that which we're participating in. And this is a natural thing for each of us. But it helps us from time to time then to reflect on how we might break the routine we've formed in our own minds so that the Lord's grace and mercy can shine through. And to do that, we need to do some examination of each of our consciences, I think. We might uh, ask some questions of ourselves uh, to determine whether we are allowing new things to enter our routine or whether we've kind of closed it off uh, within the boundaries of our own will. I think one of those questions could be, when was the last time you read a serious book about the faith? Those of you who are professionals, you are always doing professional development, you're, you're reading things about your careers, no doubt, perhaps you even have to go to conferences uh, to, to continue growing in that, um, in your profession. It would be a shame if you had stagnated in one place. We each of us are, are professional Christians. That's our number one occupation in our life through our baptism. And we should be doing some professional development, uh, reading not just perhaps a trite article or something, but some maybe even a serious book about the faith, if this is the most important uh, aspect of our lives. Then we allow something new to come in from the outside. Or if you're not the, the reading type, you could go on our parish website uh, under the adult faith formation link. There's, you can see a link to formed.org. There's a bunch of wonderful informative videos there, which can help uh, you, you, the routine that you've formed in your mind to be broken by something new. I think many of us, uh, you know, have an eighth grade level Catholic education, uh, which has given us perhaps what we need for a basic understanding of the faith. Uh, but we certainly could go beyond that and open ourselves to what is new, uh, to something that breaks in and shatters that small routine of our own will and habits of mind. Another question we could ask ourselves is how we prepare to receive Holy Communion. If we're part of this routine, perhaps a preparation beforehand would help us to enter more deeply into this great sacrament. A prayer before Mass, a prayer during Mass, something that breaks through simply the rote prayers of the liturgy, some devout prayer of the heart. Or how do we make a thanksgiving afterwards? Do we simply meander out the doors or do we pause and thank the Lord for the great gift of his body and blood which he has given us? And the last question we could ask ourselves is, when was our last good confession? because nothing breaks in from the outside like, like God's mercy through the confessional. In the confessional, we kneel before the cross and are washed in the blood and water which pours from his side. Like the, the water uh, scattered over us at the beginning of Mass, confession washes away our sins as a second baptism. It breaks through whatever barriers we've made, whatever small walls we've formed to wall ourselves in, to wall off our hearts from God, it breaks through those routines and habits of mind and ushers us back into the life of grace, a life full of joy and light, in which we can hear the Lord's gracious words proclaimed to us as if for the first time. Today, these words, the proclamation of the gospel to the poor that the blind might see, are fulfilled in our hearing.